which video game killed Atari, and a new reason to move your business into Starbucks. All that and more Tech 411 starts now. Your personal guide to everything tech. Tech 411. Tech 411 with Oscar Santana and Todd Moore. Hey now, welcome to Tech 411. I'm Oscar Santana. And I'm Todd Moore, and you're listening to show number 140. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, yeah. Todd, let's jump right into it. You, we both uh, have seen this wonderful documentary about Atari. On, did you see it on Showtime, or did you get it on, um, on Netflix? Where'd you get it? I think Netflix. Okay, perfect. Um, it's called Atari Game Over. And when I first saw it, I said, well, what's this? I saw it on the guy, and I was like, well, I definitely want to watch this. And... You know, if you're a gamer out there and maybe you're a little older, you remember Atari. I remember the original Atari and then the different uh, delineations of Atari. And when you were a kid, it was the coolest thing you could ever play. Uh, And as far as price point was concerned, uh, it was pretty expensive per cartridge, like just like they are today. But even back then, it was even worse. Did you have I, I know for a fact you had a few different systems. What did you have? Well, I definitely had the 2600. Yeah. Um, that, I, I, I don't think that was my first one, though. I think I, I had the original Pong that you could buy at, like, Sears and Roebuck at the time. And I think then we graduated to uh, an Apple, uh, like a 2C, and then went to – then we had the Atari 2600, yeah. which plugged into the TV. But, yeah, I grew up playing the, the cartridge games on the 2600, you know, and – Everyone got a free copy of Combat, and I think that's the game everyone played uh, on the 2600. But uh, this this film, which was fantastic, everyone you know who who gives a, you know who who actually grew up playing these uh, these classic video games, should yes. definitely watch this film. It was all about you know ET being the worst uh, video game ever created. Uh, and it was like one of the biggest flops that Atari ever, ever put out. In fact, the, the whole premise of the thing was, you know, there was this, I guess, urban legend that Atari buried millions of these ET cartridges and they, they did an investigation to find out where this would have occurred. And then they tried to, to actually dig it up and find the cartridges. Like an archaeological dig. That's exactly what it was. Right. And I remember it coming out in the news. Like I remember seeing, you know, in the news, they, they talked about this a couple of years ago. And, uh, so, uh, what I didn't know is they were actually filming this for a documentary and this, this is it. And it was actually really, really good. I really enjoyed it. A couple facts uh, or fun facts, if you will. Uh, Howard Scott uh, Warshaw it was the designer of Yars Revenge and then consequently eat the E.T. game that came out. And they chronicle him throughout the, the documentary. Um, and the and, and what, what I thought was interesting is, one, he ends up at the dig at the end to see if they can actually find uh, these E.T. games that are apparently buried, the game that killed Atari. Um, but also he talked about the gaming environment and the, and the, and really the culture at Atari when it was in its heyday. And it seems like a place that really was so phenomenal and out of, and really a a bit out of control, but it, it, it created a space that could crank out these just wonderful games that we remember from our youth. Yeah. Oh no. When they were talking about like the, the, the heyday of Atari and 
how everyone was just, you know, uh, smoking marijuana, creating video games, and ha they were just having crazy parties mm -hmm. in the office. And it, it was just like everything you, you would think of would like it would be too much. You know, it's like, <laughs> is this a job or is this just everyone's getting high and partying and, and creating some of the most uh, innovative video games ever. Just hearing them talk about uh, what it was like in, in the early days of Atari just makes you go, why, why can't I find a, a company like that, you know, to work for? It's, it's a pretty wild experience. And like you said, the, the guy that they followed around, Howard Scott Warshaw, who, who was uh, by all means a, a rock star yes. when it comes to a – uh, programming video games. Um, and then he, then he, <laughs> it, it was interesting because we all think, oh, he just made the crappiest game and he ruined Atari. Mm -hmm. And it's not actually true at all. Um, you know, <laughs> this was in the early 80s. This was, this was uh, kind of what is going on uh, today in, in the mobile industry. In that, in the early 80s, you just had tons of video games hitting the market and it was just people got tired of it you yeah. know they're like hey this is all crap this is like flappy bird you know everyone's just making flappy bird no hmm. one's putting any thought into into these games yeah and, what's next give me something better what's going on and that's what you know killed killed the the video game revolution if you will it's just everybody was just making crap and so et was one of those things where like you know, the the movie, you got to watch the film, but, yeah. you know, everyone likes to blame E.T. as the uh, the end uh, of Atari, but it was uh, it was kind of the industry as a whole. You also look at the timeline, and I'm sure in your uh, development days when you weren't working, when you're working for the man, uh, you have a project that usually takes about four months to complete, and they get a call from Steven Spielberg, and you have four weeks to complete. Or I think it might have been yeah, three. Five if, if, I think uh, it was five, five weeks. Five weeks, five weeks, yes. He flew down on a private jet, talked to him, and he's like, I can build this in five weeks. And it turned out the game was so buggy. He kept falling into these pits. If you ever played the game, it's like you just all of a sudden you're in a pit again. You're like, what is going on here? And so uh, it's one of those. And I've certainly uh, – <laughs> I've certainly been in, in the, that environment where, you know, someone else hands you an impossible schedule and you feel like y you can do anything and you end up doing it and it turns out to be a big piece of crap because <laughs> there's no way you could possibly keep to that schedule. But uh, I've been a part of that kind of process and it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy that you know, this, this guy thought he could do it in, in five weeks. And, uh, it turns out it was just like, it, it was just a, a massive flop and well, everyone hated it. Also, um, the psychological effect, the haunting effect that when Atari, um, you know, finally, uh, clo not closed, but, um, you know, crashed really, uh, he for 20 something odd years carried this yearning for that type of, um, cultural environment that he never found anywhere else. And he, he ends, ends up becoming a therapist because he had to figure out his own a path, um, to get out of this. Like, I remember when it was, it could be like this, but it, why isn't it a lot, not like that anymore? Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. Um, you know, I've been, been a part of these projects where it's just like, I don't know if I'll ever experience 
you know, that, that kind of stuff again. And when you hear the story about like Atari and how creative and how fun and, and fostering the company was, they, the bonus parties they would, they would, they would throw at them and they're all young guys and, you know, yeah. they're just, it's so, it, it, it's almost inspiring. Then it's a little sad as you follow the, you know, the, and it comes full circle at the end of the dock. Uh, but I, I sat there and I said, why can't places be as, as great as they were then, you know, clearly not the marijuana use or, or whatever, or the jacuzzi inside the boardroom or whatever they had. <laughs> yeah. But I like, why can't they be, if that's, if they fostered such great output, mm-hmm. there's gotta be places that do that. They just don't talk about it. Right. Well, I think, you know, you look at Silicon Valley if you, if you want that today, you go work for Uber. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. That's, that's kind of the way I, I, I envision um, you know, what, what Atari used to be like Uber's just known for, for their parties that they throw. And I remember we, we were out at, uh, in San Francisco and, and uh, Katie got invited to one of their parties mm-hmm. I, and, and she showed up there and told, and, and they asked her to, to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Oh my God. An NDA yeah. to get into a party. I told her I wouldn't sign it. There's no way I'd do that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, apparently that's how epic their parties are. <laughs> they don't want anyone talking about it. Nobody. So it still exists. It's out there. Nobody can talk. You have to sign this NDA and then you can come in. What about yep. just carding someone? Uh, yeah. So, again, it's called Atari Game Over. You can find it on Netflix. Uh, if you are a cable subscriber, they have it on Showtime. I know that for sure. Um, but it is uh, definitely worth the look. And it'll take you down this like memory lane of what... It was to be a gamer or, or even go to, at a certain time, they profile um, what arcades are like. So we all, if you remember that, you'll enjoy it. You'll definitely enjoy it. It's, it's really great. Definitely check it out. Uh, speaking of stories um, outside, let's get to uh, 2015 here. Um, just broke about two hours ago before we, um, we record here on the show. Looks like uh, Starbucks and Spotify are getting together for a partnership to A, bring Spotify to more users and offer different uh, playlists to um, Starbucks customers. But B, everybody who works for Starbucks gets a premium uh, membership for free from Spotify. Quite a, quite a partnership. Uh, now, what does that mean? I mean, a premium membership is what I pay for, right? Like $10 a month. But w- what are they actually going to give people that go into the Starbucks? Because usually they just give you a free song to yes. listen to. Is that, so, is that the same thing? That's going to be a different way for you to use points. Um, there's a couple different layers to this cake where um, Starbucks will, one, start streaming Spotify playlists in their stores, it looks like. And also, two, they'll be offering the Spotify uh, premium service to all their Starbucks U.S.-based employees. For free. Okay, this is just for employees. Yeah, so this is a bonus. Just to, I mean, that's sixty thousand employees, right? Uh, oh, U.S. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, so I think what they're doing here is with the I think the looming iTunes Beats Music or whatever they're going to call it service coming, and uh, the, the new players that have come in, title, which maybe not significant, but it is eating to, into market share a little bit. There's so much competition. I think this is brilliant on Spotify's part to really, um, you know, anchor on to Starbucks, which is an international brand, successful. And since there's always been, and this is the way Starbucks touts it, there's always been a 
uh, fusion between music and Starbucks customers. If you remember, at a certain point, they were selling CDs in Starbucks. Um, yeah. They, yeah, and they, they still have this agreement with Apple and iTunes where they give you a free song and a free app of the month. So I wonder if that's, you know, if, if that's going to go away. That's one of the things I yeah. really like about, you know, going to Starbucks or even easier using the Starbucks app is they will give you access to a, to a lot of free content every week. Uh, in detail, it says the Starbucks uh, loyalty members plan will now, the Starbucks loyalty members will gain access to Starbucks music on Spotify and they'll have input in the store's playlists. Among other benefits, the collaboration will start in the fall, this fall coming, and uh, it's going to start in U.S. company-owned Starbucks, and then it'll go to Canada and the United Kingdom. Oh, so like if you're on their Wi-Fi, you think that you'll be able to just stream Spotify? Is I, that? I think that's the case. Huh. Well, they really want freeloaders hanging out at the Starbucks, don't they? I think that already happens. I, every time I go downstairs, it's the same people doing their uh, their reports or their um, their homework. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, why am I paying for office space? We'll just meet at Starbucks every well, day. Uh, I almost called you, Chad. Um, Todd, I, uh, I'm reading a case study about Starbucks now. And it's funny that this news broke like two hours after I read the, the case study. Mm -hmm. Starbucks, when they first launch and as they continue to grow as a company, want that third place. They want your home, your office, and they want Starbucks to be your home base for doing your like to, to do your work. Whether you're working on uh, your work for, for, for your actual nine to five or you have your own personal project, they want that to be your hub. Why? Uh, it, and it says in the case study that the longer people stay there, the more money they spend. So they, they're going to get a refill on their coffee or buy a sandwich yeah. or something like that. Pretty yeah. wild. I guess that's, uh, I mean, I figure that's kind of what it is, you know, yeah. but at the same time, I could just see a lot of, you know, a lot of people in startups just, I used to work out of Starbucks for a while, yeah. you know, yeah. but you're right. You know, I'll buy a coffee or I'll buy a breakfast sandwich. So, and the longer uh, you stay in that Starbucks, the more brand, um, loyally become to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's interesting. Like Starbucks could be the future of like shared office space. Yeah, it's kind of shared couches now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it is. Yeah, they got tables and you just <laughs> hang out. Launch your company from Starbucks. You get free music now. Free right? music. All the water you want. Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know. I don't know, man. I think it's a good idea. You really can't go wrong. So that is in the news. So look out. Uh, it's coming yeah. to uh, Starbucks in the fall. I'll, I want to keep an eye on that just because I wonder if that's going to piss off Apple um, since they have that agreement with them. And, and as you recall, we took a, uh, a trip to New York where we talked about that program, uh, how you can if you if you have over 100,000 people, you can do the do this. Uh, Oh yeah! Uh, promotion with with Apple. Yes, yes. And uh, so you know, we we learned a little bit about the Starbucks deal. Yeah. You know they they'll they, feature your app. They'll give yeah, you they, a, you can be a free app. Uh, they'll give your app away to their customers if you are if you qualify for this program yeah. as a developer. Yeah. So and I was like, oh, hundred thousand. Okay, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, call Starbucks me and do can clearly do that. And yeah. So I wonder if uh, if they're if they're shifting away from that or not. It's interesting. Keep it'll an be, eye on it. It'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Um, the other big story that came out today, and I want you to walk me through a little bit of it, if you don't mind. 
Uh, big news in the tech world, especially if you have your own company, you want to save some cash and use uh, the cloud services. Google drop. Uh, Google has dropped their cloud computing prices up to thirty percent, and they're launching preemptible instances. Now, yep. I don't know enough about this, Todd, but I know that there are uh, costs involved in uh, in cloud computing and services. So tell me all about it, and what does this mean to you? <laughs> well, I hope it means uh, uh, I'm going to see my prices drop because uh, I, I run White Noise Market on on Google Cloud, so it's a, it's an actual App Engine instance, and I checked after I read this article. I checked to see if, if you know, I'm saving money, and it looks like I am. You know, it looks like the prices have definitely uh, dropped, and uh, so that's a good thing. Yeah. And and it's and it's healthy competition with, of course, Amazon and uh, with AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, and then you have Microsoft, who has their own cloud-based services called Azure. And so anytime you have this, these kinds of price drops, and Google seems to keep doing it. Like they keep slashing prices over at the Google Cloud. Total, and, total uh, right now, I quote, they argue that they have a Google Cloud platform is now 40% less expensive than many workloads. Yeah, that's, that's pretty significant. And usually that means Amazon's going to drop their prices, and, and it's just... I mean, I get excited when I see this kind of stuff. So um, it it only helps, you know, smaller companies and startups that um, need need that kind of uh, you know horsepower when when something significant happens. For example, um, last week Amazon featured white noise uh, as the free app of the day. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And there was just this massive uptick on the white noise market. So we had a ton of traffic. Okay. And you know, it it you need to have, you know, be able to handle those spikes. So that's what these, you know, cloud providers uh, are able to do. And of course I'm paying a lot more money for that day because I had this huge influx of new traffic, new users. Uh, it's still very reasonably priced and you know, it's not your it's not like running a, a SQL, MySQL database on a GoDaddy solution, which mm -hmm. is going to crumble. Like I used to have my GoDaddy. I used to host a site on the the market site on GoDaddy, and it would just crash. And then I exceeded my bandwidth numbers, and it was like, it you know, it's it wasn't scalable. So I had to move to either Amazon or Google, and I use both of them. I use both AWS as well as if Google. If you're at home and you maybe you have these services, it's, I guess, preemptible instances. Those spikes you're talking about, Todd, are uh, similar to Amazon spot instances where when you have that crush of, uh, of uh, influx of, of um, people coming to your site or using your service, um, they will allocate for that. It, you can actually, it, you know, they'll take care of it. Well, I don't think that's what preemptible instances are. Um, no? I think that is... Um, it's for computing, it's for idle computing. So like, obviously Google, Amazon have massive amounts of servers out there, okay. right? Like just racks and racks in there in these huge data store warehouses. And, you know, and a lot of times, uh, those CPUs are just sitting idle, not yeah. doing anything, wait, waiting for, you know, some like one of those spikes, like you said, uh, to, to hit, but 
you know, a lot of times people want to do some, some really uh, intensive computations. They don't need it right away. Maybe it'll just run for days and days and they need to get an answer. Well, th this is a, a kind of a solution that allows them to take advantage of idle stuff, idle CPUs at a much uh, cheaper cost. So oh, okay. Wow. kind of some long, I like to think of, uh, if you remember the old SETI screensaver app and it's still going on, but you know, the, the search for, well, how appropriate ET, yeah. um, you, anyone could just use the screensaver, right? And whenever your computer went idle, it would fire up and start analyzing signals and look for, uh, you know, uh, an ET signal coming from the sky down. It's mm -hmm. looking for those spikes. And so everyone signed up for this and it was like this, you know, if your computer was idle, it was going to be looking for ET. And I always, <laughs> and I always thought that was awesome. I ran yeah. it for years. Uh, they also awesome. have, it's kind of like uh, Apple's uh, research kit. Uh, and the look for cancer cures and things like that. We have, you know, all these computers that are just sitting idle that could be crunching numbers and looking for cancer cures and, and different things like that in terms of research. Mm. So um, I think this is kind of the, the preemptive thing is kind of Google's way to, to leverage, you know, just their idle stuff. I didn't know that. Okay, uh, I apologize. I sent corrected. That makes more sense. Uh, that's that's how I, I I've read it, and I think it's um, it, it's kind of nice. So if you if you have to do some massive computations, but you don't need an answer like right away, then you could take advantage of of those preemptible instances, and and they call them preemptible because you know at any point they can go. No, we need that now. We need that for this big spike over at the white noise market and we're going to preempt you. We're going to shut you down. They say, I was reading up on it. So they give you 30 seconds to kind of finish up your work. Um, but you know, it, it really is, uh, um, it's just neat stuff. Cloud computing is, is really cool. And I'm doing more and more with, uh, the cloud, Amazon and Google. And it's, it's just really you can really leverage, uh, you know, so much now um, you, that you could just solve anything. Like it seems like you could tap in to to these uh, these CPUs and these data data warehouses, and you can just uh, almost do anything. And at a at an, a really affordable rate, like and it keeps getting cheaper and cheaper. And that's great for startup guys like us, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, everyone benefits from that. They give you a fighting chance, a fighting yeah. chance, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, just one more before we go to apps of the week because running out of time here. Quickly, Google self-driving bubble cars might catch on. This is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think it's interesting because the original version one of the self-driving car that you might have seen on the web uh, didn't have real headlights and they had to have somebody in the car and it just was kind of a mock-up. The new one actually has real headlights and they're going to start testing it, uh, This, if I'm not mistaken, this summer. Um, it's got to work in a speed limit zone that, that's under 35 miles per hour. Some of the, the article's um, actual ideas may be that these would be great in New York City where you're just yeah. like running in traffic and everything's basically 25 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. uh, but autonomous driving, while it was here with Tesla um, just months, a couple months ago, the true testing is going on on designated streets in California by Google, and it's finally here. 
Yeah, I could definitely see um, big cities benefiting that, that like like a New York that, you know, it's mostly, you know, run by cabbies. And, you know, with these kinds of vehicles, you could actually improve how many really the throughput of your streets. Yeah. Right. Because these things are smaller. They'll be able to drive closer together and less accidents. So. You know, in a, in a place like New York where there's always constant construction and if there's a traffic accident, you know, it's just total gridlock out mm. there. So, you know, I, I definitely see this at some point uh, catching on. Um, but, you know, all it takes is, you know, one <laughs> one crash yeah. from, you know, these self-driving cars, one bicycle that was run over. And uh, that will slow down progress for some time. So it'll be interesting to see. Also, I can't wait till you get your update on your uh, your Tesla to see uh, if they actually enable it for some highway use. They're not going to enable it. Are you kidding me? Uh, well, well, it has to be approved, right, at the state level. Yeah, but right now, when you have a um, like the newer cars, uh, they don't have autonomous driving, but they have parking. Uh, the, the automatic park. parking. They yeah. also have like my car right now. If you go on the highway, you can set it just like um, a uh, you know cruise you, control. Cruise control, but the cruise control will start shaking the steering wheel if you go off the road. Like and it'll go make it go back on. Like it's got some weird thing that does. Really? Not what Tesla does, but it's like I thought I was ruining. I said something's wrong with this car um, because when I was just going from lane to lane at one point. The steering wheel was vibrating. I was like, what is happening here? Uh, but regardless. Um, so it was like trying to wake you up. It was trying to wake me up. Isn't that wild? So it mon- it has cameras that monitor if you're on the road or it, not? It's monitoring if I stay in my lane or not. That's pretty wild. I haven't heard about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I, I finally looked in the owner's manual and I figured out what it was, but that's what it was. And even when Shannon drove, she thought something was wrong. Like I had done something to the car and. Yeah. It's just it just monitors when you're on yeah. like in the lane or you're, you're maybe you're looking down at the radio and it shifts over and it also will break it'll break for you. Um, yeah, well, sounds like you're a horrible driver. I am a horrible that. driver. You know that, yeah. Todd. Um, yeah. So I, I for some reason I feel like, like once if you your get steering that wheel's constantly vibrating, and you had to break out the manual to see what. Then you're probably not a good driver. That was probably in the first two months when I, since I've owned it. Now I know it's like <laughs> it makes you a better driver because you don't want to deal with that nonsense. You can't turn it off either. <laughs> Always um, watching. Yeah, they're watching you. But um, yeah, I don't know when that update's gonna come. But I just I hope that it comes to your car and we can test it out. It'd be pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Only on the highways they said they're gonna enable. I don't it. think it would come to my car because you know. My mine was one of the first ones, and I don't even have like um, any kind of cameras up front. There's no sensors. It'd have to be equipped with all new sensors. I don't even have like parking sensors okay. that tells you if you're going to hit something. I never thought about that. All so, right. Mm-hmm. All I got's a reverse camera, so I'd have to drive in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> That'd look funny. I'll take. I'll take that. Okay, let's get to apps of the week. What do you have, my friend? All righty then. I'm sure you guys are still playing my last week's. Did, did you play last week's game? The ad, the adventure, adventure, adventure capitalist, adventure capitalist. Uh, oh, remember, I, I was, can't stop playing I that. was in your office, and then you and one of your guys started battling, battling out, and who was who had the highest yeah. score. Yeah. And then I looked at, um, I looked at your other guy, and I was like. 
oh man, I can't, I can't start my own venture now. They're billionaires. Oh, what are you, quadrillionaires? No, but you can. Of course you can. But uh, I'm going to pick something that's not a game. Okay, look at this. Um, it's uh, kind of following your your go-tos with uh, photography apps. Oh, welcome, welcome aboard. Thanks. This yes. is one uh, I actually purchased. It's called After Focus. And if you ever wanted to take um, uh, kind of a, a use your iPhone <clears throat> camera okay. to take what looks to be like a DLSR, you know, photo where, you know, part of the, the background is out of focus. Oh, that's cool. What's in the foreground is focused. Yeah. It works amazingly well. <clears throat> like you can just you just take a photo with your with your iPhone, yeah, and you can draw on it. You just draw on the parts that are in the foreground, and then you draw on the parts that are in the background very quick, and then boom, you have this high quality photo that looks like you took took it with a real lens, right? You got to send me one of your everything. your examples. I got to see this. This sounds phenomenal. Oh, it's so cool uh, how it works and. You know, it works great if if you're trying, especially like if you're trying to take a picture or something to make something be the focus yeah. of that photo and you want to blur out the the background or maybe someone photobombed you and it's a great photo. Well, you could just blur out the background and it looks like a photographer came with some super expensive camera and took that uh, shot. So it, and it's fun to play with. I it, it's It's neat to try it. Uh, it's called After Focus. Give it a go, especially if you want to make do some high-quality photos. All right, man. That sounds great. I'm actually looking for it right now in the store. Um, my app is called Duet, and uh, this is for the people out there that may – I don't know. I just started really using my um, my iPad uh, because we got this – we have an advertiser on the show called Next Issue that takes basically all your magazines you'd ever want and they put it on your iPad. It's uh, the Netflix for magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get the link on michaelmarishow.com. It's right there and you get like the free – first three weeks free. Um, but my point of, of, of all of this is that I'm sitting here um, – at my terminal at home, my workstation, and I was like, "Oh man, I really need a second screen." But I don't, but I don't want a second screen. Like, am I going to buy a second screen? Like, is like what's that's going to be two hundred bucks? And I looked over and I said, "I remember a friend at work having an iPad as his second screen, and he had this little uh, clip that articulated right out, and his iPad's hooked up there." And I found an app called Duet that does that. So that Duet basically makes your iPad your second monitor if you ever want to work with your second monitor. It helps me a lot with school, especially with a lot of this, um, these Excel calculations i got to deal with. And it's just phenomenal. And it's I've a, heard of this app. I've yeah. seen it. Does the touchscreen still work? Touchscreen like, still works. It actually will turn certain, um, certain pages into touchscreens. Like if a video is up there or anything, I can just hit play. So it's like uh, it just enables like a mouse type, a mouse click, right? Yes, yes. And it looks like it's available both for Mac and PC. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, there are different uh, levels of Duet. Um, but I, I looked at the reviews. I didn't want to spend money in the wrong place. And it's working just great for me. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, we all have iPads that we're not using. So there, there's a perfectly, perfectly good use for it. Yeah, don't buy a new monitor. Just get the Duet app and uh, hook it up. Yeah, get yourself a nice seven-inch monitor. <laughs> hey, I'll take it, man. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I live in a little condo. I need all the space I can get. 
All right. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see as we wind things down. What do you have to plug, my friend? Oh, uh, this the just the huge. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, white noise market. I got a big update coming. I'm almost done with it. Almost I saw the done. preview. Yeah. Gorgeous, and, man. Uh, Gorgeous. I, I can't wait for it to be released. Uh, so we're in the last week of development here. So we've been doing working on it for a while. But anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Todd Moore and this show at Tech411Show. Perfect. Uh, if you're out there, same deal, at Oscar Radio on Twitter. Make sure you download the Tech411 Show app. That is on Android and the iOS Marketplace, uh, and uh, give a nice review. Say something nice about the program. That's how we spread the, sh- uh, the word about the show. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. This is the sound. This is Tech 411. The preceding program was brought to you by More Broadcasting. For more information, visit us at morebroadcasting.com.